You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd, as always, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, guys, tomorrow we'll get to Pete Smith's favorite day of the Combine. Today we get to cover the wrap-up of day two, my favorite day of the Combine. Wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends. Um, so, you know, whether it's in the car or in the house, ask your favorite hands-free device. Play Lockdown Brown's latest episode and get it fired up for us. Um, it was a fun day. Uh, uh, one thing, and we're going to start with the wide receiver group. And when we did the wide receiver preview, which I guess now, Pete, probably it'll be almost be, you know, 10 days ago or so or whatever. The one that we agreed on, and that show went long. It went long. This is a great, great group of wide receivers. Um, I believe there were seven or eight wide receivers just in the 40 time alone who tested faster than last year's class. Uh, you, you saw some uh, amazing efforts in the jumps. Uh, you know, whether it was the broad, whether it was the vertical, you know, three guys, uh, yeah, I think there were three guys over 40, uh, an 11-9 jump, an 11-8 jump, I think a jump of 11-1. I mean, just some insane, insane numbers from these guys. And guys, this is probably the way we're going to continue to trend. I mean, these guys... The works out starts so much at a younger age here, but it's it's still phenomenal to see, and it just absolutely blows your mind. I guess we'll start, which was the, you know, you can't deny it, had a phenomenal day. The things he's doing at his size and his weight and his strength, um, and put a t-shirt on, bro, because I don't ever want to be in a room with you if, you know, I ain't taking my t-shirt off at the beach if you are if you got one off. But DK Metcalf, uh, you know, look, I mean, the, the agility concerns are still a little bit there, in which you understand with a guy with his size. But, I mean, just impressive showing. DK Metcalf's a horse. It's not going to change any way I feel about how the Browns are going to handle the draft plans. But uh, DK Metcalf uh, certainly had himself a nice day. Um, All the talk, you know, that he was going to put on a show, uh, he met that. Now, part of that is because, you know, the way the combine is covered with TV – the 40 is way, 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 way overhyped, and then the other drills are not nearly as as weighted just because they're not on TV. You you get you get a nice video constantly of a guy just crushing the 40. He was great. I mean, the ground looked like it hurt from him ra- running on because he pounds the ground so hard as he's driving forward, and he's big, and he's strong, and he's got all that stuff, and he had the jumps. And, you know, not surprising when that happens, you immediately get a bunch of people talking about, Forget the Browns. I mean, the, most people are basically like he's never, he's not going to go anywhere near seventeen. Uh, he could go in the top ten. And my reaction to that is great. Where do I sign up for that? Like, I would love to see him push another guy down. Uh, Only makes look, our lives better. Yeah, I mean, he he's quite literally a thoroughbred. The way he runs. Uh, because he is such a great guy in a straight line. His agility is not where you'd want it to be uh you know the people are you know have already brought out julio jones and all this stuff i'm seeing one now he's compared to batman for god's sakes pete batman that was on tv that was on tv which come on but that's part of the problem is is you know now we've put him up to a point where this isn't realistic and i think nfl teams are more realistic when they look at those agility numbers and they say can this guy really separate in addition to the much bigger question we have to deal with What's the deal with the neck? 
like that's nothing. Nothing happens till till that gets sorted out. So I'm hoping because he was cleared and everything that there's no long term effects for that. Rooting for the kid to you know be successful, but I would say calm down a little bit just because as we go through this, there's one guy at least that had a better day than he did athletically with the same size. It and it's it, it it's crazy to say it, but yes, yeah, somebody actually was a little bit taller, about the same in weight, and uh, you know did test a little better. Um, but you know, God bless him. Uh, I mean, he was a kid. I guess I, I guess we're talking what around Halloween or so, where you know maybe it was all over. Uh, you know, maybe he was never going to do this again. And, you know, obviously, you know, this, is, you know, these guys at this point in their lives, this is everything to them. So to the fact that it may be over and it's all done with, um, you, you're still going to, you know, and guys, when we talk about, you know, the short area quickness, this is, you know, guys like him, you want to be able to throw slants to and have him take him to the house. Uh, you want to be able to work the middle of the field. You want him to be able to, as much as he can run past people or run through them, you know, you want to see him break some ankles. Um, the question is going to be whether or not he can do that. Um, and he's going to have to do it because I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to see double coverage <laughs> probably from the day he steps onto the field in the NFL because everybody just saw this workout. They know what, you know, they know what he can do. So it, that's going to be something interesting there. But I, I, I don't want to rain on the kids' parade anyway whatsoever. Yes, the agility scores, which come out much later and after everyone's kind of gone and maybe the lights are almost off. And that takes a little bit of the shine off the day he did, and the numbers and the overall uh, the overall performance he put out today. But look, if he's number one in show, I'm not altering the Browns' draft plans. Wide receiver is not the number one need. I have never said it was. I am not going to say it because DK Metcalf looked like a freak when we just said last night all the pressure was whirl in the in the world was on DK Metcalf. Everyone's expecting him to look like a freak today. And he did. It's not altering my plans. It's still not important from the fact that the only offensive defensive tackle on this roster I can trust is Larry Ogunjobi. Um, Miles Garrett is the only starting defensive end maybe on this team right now. There may only be one linebacker on this team that I'm going to trust to play in Joe Schobert. There's, uh, you know, there's still the possibility that there is a decent-looking offensive tackle class. That's not going to change anything there. Uh, next thing I want, name I want to get to here, and Pete. This got interesting for us a little bit here. But our dude, and, and we've been on this for a while, and it was crazy because when the tweet first came out, and Andy Isabella, 456, and I'm looking at the screen, and I'm checking Twitter, I'm looking back, and I'm, I'm squinting my eyes. What the hell just What the hell just happened? 456? Yeah, it was a fiasco. Uh, and, you know, I didn't think he ran a 456, and I've seen him run live. I, I, that was stunning. So the idea that he was actually that slow, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, he ran the second one. It was 446. And even that, like, it was okay. But if you were telling me Andy Bell is a 446 guy, I'm not as excited because no. look, the, ex- the expectation for him was for he his camp, he himself was saying that the worst he did in training was 437. And Randy, uh, you're not going to go work out with Randy Moss and you tell tell tales. That ain't going to fly with Randy Moss. It's either going to be legitimate or not. And Randy Moss ain't going to prop nobody up on lies. It's just it's just not the way it works. So you know that's where every time Andy Isabella said it, you took it as truth. Plus there was always the fact of he was faster than Denzel Ward four years ago. The, you know so you know four five six and you know, but go ahead. Right. So. I, they fixed it. It was 
something to do with the laser time was messed up, and then they... It, you know, I, I, it. it looked like he kind of had a little bit of a hand movement before he actually, you know, you know, lifted up the plant hand, and, and I think it got the clock going quicker than it, you know, obviously quicker than, you know, what was his actual time speed. For me, I think the second 40 was, I think it was a little bit more mental. Like, oh my God, did I just F up everything I've worked for? And I think it was more of an emotional, oh, you know, an oh shit, if you want to use that. What's going to happen now? Did I just freaking screw up everything? Is it over? Am I now a, a seventh round pick at best? Well, that, here's the thing, and I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if he knew, uh, you know, because it was messed up. I don't know what they told him or if they told him anything, but I do feel like it was a little more labored uh, on the second one uh, for whatever reason. Maybe that's it. But thankfully, when it all got sorted out. Now, I did not, at the same time, I didn't see 4-5-6. I did not expect 4-3-1. Like, generally, when you see that stuff, like, you can tell something's different like when dk metcalf ran it or paris campbell ran it, a couple other guys ran it you're like wow those guys are moving and and that and i suppose in part it's because he is a track guy they because you know those guys tend to be relaxed as you know effortless effortless yeah. yes right so when they really get going it just looks easy for them but it, it just didn't feel like it but in any case the official 431 you know that's you know that's what you were expecting. That's what he was expecting. That was you know, and it, and again, and it's the same thing with DK Metcalf and some of these other guys. This is what they were expected to do. Now the four three three for Metcalf, you know, do what you want with it. That's legitimately insane. But when you're expecting these guys to be great, and and the same thing with Noah Fant, you don't then move them up again because they did exactly what you thought. Don't uh, count it twice. Right. So I like. You're saying Andy Isabella, he ran a 4-3-1. Well, he moves up, right? But that's always what he was going to be. So you can't you can't think of it that way. Well, that's but, what that that's what makes a 5-9, 187-pound exactly. guy a little bit different than the rest. Is this, And this is why you can play him outside. Because, you know, want to know what? Yeah, put a safety over the top. Well, the safety better be able to run because it ain't going to matter if you put two over the top when you watch the Georgia tape or you watch the Mississippi State, Mississippi State tape. That's what you watch. These guys in the SEC couldn't run with them. Absolutely. I mean, again, it always looked like they were on a conveyor belt compared to him. That he, he, everybody was in slow motion. He was just gliding. I keep using the Fast and Furious. He hits the nitro. He's he's got it. He literally has it. Well, that says certain things about you, but nevertheless, uh, uh, yeah. Come on, stop. No, yeah, you cannot tell me you've never gotten lost in a in a movie thon on TBS of Fast and Furious movies. Come on, Pete. I, I'm, I end up on. I, look, I, I've seen the movie Bloodsport like a thousand times. I can almost so you're in no room to criticize. You. So, so I, I understand, but never to that. That way too homoerotic for me. Nevertheless, uh, <laughs> Andy Isabella did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, so all he did was validate what is a day two conversation. I would think it's Top not impossible player. that somebody takes him higher than that, but I think that's a pretty safe place to put him. The only thing that you sort of look at and go, wow, is the fact that he did all this at 188 pounds. Like, that's that's interesting. And and especially – and granted, he's injured. He's not running and all this stuff. But to me, these sort of naturally get linked together is him and Marquise Brown, who's 166 pounds. And even if you assume he is a 4'3 speed guy, and I think he plays a lot like D-Jax, uh, who was 169 pounds when he tested – you know, if you're Andy Isabella, you're going to sit there and go, look, I'm 188 pounds and I ran a 4-3-1. Uh, 
Like, why is he better than me? And I think when you come back to it, it's a harder conversation than than maybe some people want to admit. And all the, you know, I get all these responses basically saying that, well, if uh, you know, if I could take Marquise Brown in round two and Andy Isabella in round three. If if I could get Andy Isabella in round three, why am I even talking about Marquise Brown in round two? Yep. Well, and the other thing, though, is in what you saw this year with Marquise Brown, and there was some development where, you know, he was starting to run, you know, the shallow crossers, some of the longer crossers, which is great for him. You always want to be able to put more on film. But uh, you want him anywhere near, you know, well, I mean, just to use a name, but it's obviously, you know, the name's irrelevant at this point. Would you want Hollywood Brown running a five-yard drag across the field and possibly have the possibility of Vontez Burfett taking his livelihood at 166 pounds? Andy Isabella, yeah, you're not that much more confident at 188, but it is 22 pounds. And, you know, Brown, that, I mean, we, we saw the picture the other day with Antonio Brown where, yeah, he looked pretty ch- jacked up and chiseled at 166. That's, you know, you don't really want him ever between the hash marks. So, you know, that's a question, but, you know, obviously something else. Um, do you want to get to a couple of other, uh, other names here? Um, we had mentioned him, Pete, and he started to grow a little bit more in the Senior Bowl. But uh, Debo Samuel, he might be putting together quietly one of the nicer resumes of this draft class. Yes. Uh, you know, his production is not... Super top of the line, but it's very good. Like nobody you know, pro- from South Carolina ever has put up one that really wows you. That's the one. They're, they're the one school. They're in the SEC, but you never really get that SEC feel to them. So, you know, he's got very good production, uh, and then you know you go to the Senior Bowl, and you know he's got that size. He's two hundred and you know basically two hundred fifteen pounds around that area, and then he does things that you're like going, "Wow, I can easily place that in the NFL." He's got that slant. He's got that go route. He plays physically when he goes inside. He's got the speed when he goes outside. He knows how to use his body, create space. And then he comes to a venue like this, and he does nothing but suggest that he's everything, you know, you've sort of seen. And more of the comparison to me that he's, you know, very similar to Antonio Callaway. Antonio Callaway was a 4-4-1 guy. Debo was a 4-4-8 guy. Debo's very explosive, pretty good agility. Like he's got, he's just, he got big hands, you know, big strong dude. Like if the Browns come to a situation where they're saying, you know, we want more yak guys and we don't mind having a guy just like Antonio Callaway, even, you know, or, you know, 10 degrees one way or the other. Debo Samuel could be a guy that's sitting there potentially in round two, round three. And, you know, if you're sitting there and they go and grab, you know, those, those sticker price positions that they need to grab in the first round. Somebody falls to them in like a defensive lineman or a corner or whatever in round two, and they're sitting there in round three. And because this receiver class is so dense and it comes a lot of, you know, what fits and a guy like Debo Samuel is sitting there, you can run the card up, get your guy and you get a guy who, who we could make the case for is, is a, a second round value type player and you get him in round three. And, that is increasingly what's happened because I, I, I can't say this enough, and, I, and I, I know you feel the same way. The the concept of a bad receiver class does not exist. There are just too many of them, and it's like running backs anymore. That even the even in a pretty mediocre running back class, there's always going to be value if you wait. Certainly, if you want to go up and get a dude because he's just 
absolutely great. You take Saquon Barkley last year, Nick Chubb, and those guys early in the second round. But there's always going to be backs later. Philip Lindsay goes to the Pro Bowl in his first year, for example, and he's undrafted. The same thing at receiver. You know, a guy like Nikhil Harry, who had a great day, and we'll get to yep. him, uh, may go in the first round or whatever, or DK Metcalf goes in the first round. And then guys like Debo Samuel may sit there and, and, and end up in the second and third round and still have Pro Bowl-type talent and fit what the Browns do. And I, I'm, that is what I'm hoping happens with this group whether it's Debo Samuel or something else, but he certainly has to be a guy where you suddenly star him as a guy that potentially fits the, what the Browns are doing. And I, I put this tweet out earlier, and I've mentioned this a couple times. Debo Samuel, the one thing I like about his game, um, I think it's a little Anquan Bolden-ish, I think it's a little Quincy Inunua-ish, is I think it's a sellable product to regardless of whatever region of the country you're in. Um, if it's 75 degrees and a beautiful, ideal weather, he's going to eat. I think he'll be fine if it's 20s, sloppy field. Uh, he's, I, I just think it's, his game is good. He's in, he's going to end up probably still being underrated because you know everybody always wants to look for what may be that wide receiver one. But you know, Debo Samuel in an ideal spot is a 75 reception, 900 yard plus guy. You're going to get yak. Uh, there's going to be defensive backs who, at the end of the day, you're going to say, you know what, I'm tired of trying to tackle this dude because he's got no problem dropping the shoulder into whoever it is. So a great day for Debo Samuel. And you want to talk about checking the boxes and going through the draft process. Debo Samuel has done an incredible job with all of this. Um, I, I, well, let's just get to this here, Pete. Um, you know, As great as DK Metcalf's day was, there was a guy a little bit bigger and you know not a huge, huge name in this process. And you guys saw the tweet from the Notre Dame locker room. You know, th- them all watching his day along with him. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal showing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, I have not watched anything Notre Dame offense. Uh, and, you know, this dude comes in. Uh, Boykin. Miles, uh, what's his face? Miles Boykin, Boykin who's 6'4", who, who apparently everybody was trying to attribute his numbers to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside at the t- for like yeah, two or three that, events. That's true. And there were people jumping in late to the process going, wow, look at J.J. Uh, guys, he had missed the joke, but go ahead. So, yeah, Miles Boykin, and, and again, this is a good example of how the 40 gets so hyped up. He ran it, he's 6'4", 220, ran a 4'4", That is a great, great time for a guy that big. But it just it was overshadowed by everything else was going on. Then he comes out and he goes forty three five vert at that size is insane. It was the top vertical jump. He's broad, an NBA two guard. <laughs> yeah, his broad jump, the second best broad jump of anybody at one forty. That's just bananas. That's eleven feet eight. And then you know the agility comes in and you, you have to basically do- take a double take. His three cone drill was the best of anyone there. 677 at 64220, the best of anyone there. Now, to compare. Fire Brian Kelly. (laughs) Well, that, yes. The other thing is now that, you know, people were initially going, well, DK Metcalf is Julio Jones. The agility is where now people are catching up and going, Miles Boykins along that line. So to compare, uh, uh, Julio Jones had a 666 three cone. Absurd. Uh, Miles Boykin six seven seven, DK Metcalf seven three eight. You know, there's obviously a substantial difference in here. Miles Boykin four oh seven short shuttle. Uh, 
DK Metcalf, 4.5. Like, those are real, real noticeable differences uh, in terms of agility, and he's got the explosion. And his production's not bad. I have looked that up. But I, I'm not going to lie and say I've been, you know, watched a bunch of Miles Boykin tape. I have not. I had to double-check what school he was from. That's how little I, I had known about it. Because it would seem like if he was this great of an athlete at Notre Dame, we would have all known this by now. Right, like it's not know, like it was, you know, East Atlantic, Florida Tech. That the other part of this is, it's obviously they had Equinemius St. Brown, and they had him with, you know, mediocre quarterback play, and he was still, a, you know, a very productive known entity for whatever reason. And you know, they, you know, part of what makes the combine fun is you do get a guy like this, and you go, wait, wh- how did I miss this? So yeah, that'll be a guy that's going to send me going looking for him and. Uh, a lot of he's, go- he's going to get a lot, a lot of individual team meetings because here's somebody they're going to want to work out and get in their building. And all right, you know, because I mean, what did Notre Dame not see or what was Notre Dame not able to do? Because it does almost kind of give you a little bit of a Mike Mamula feel to it. He's got everything in spades, but somehow, some way, there was nothing that showed up football wise. So. You know, you get to this and you're saying, you know, if, if, you, if you believe DK Metcalf is a top 10 guy, let's say you like Miles Boykin and he's going to go, you know, another round later. What's it? What's it? What's the better play? Are you going to rush to get DK Metcalf? Are you going to wait for a guy with Miles Boykin? Obviously, you know, haven't watched him. So I don't know. But that's where you, it's very easy to talk yourself out of taking a receiver that high. You can't do that with guys like. Queen and Williams and Ed Oliver and good Josh Allen and, and presumably Nick Bosa tomorrow and, and those guys you don't get a you don't get a lot of opportunities to say you know there's going to be this comparable guy in the next round that's going to be a lot more difficult those positions so just something to keep an eye on uh, that obviously a great day and and one of the surprises I think Nikhil Harry uh, I did not expect four five three well, well here well, let's uh, let's I'm gonna, we'll go the three H's we'll do we'll go Hakeem Butler. We'll go Nikhil Harry, and we'll go Kelvin Harmon. Gotcha. Um, Nikhil Harry, again, I, I don't think – I didn't see 4-5-3 coming. I don't think you saw 4-5-3 coming. And, and I like it more than you do, but I was even – I was I was taken aback by the 4-5-3. I, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of plays he had, and they were early in the year where he's got the ball, you know, bottom of the screen, close to the sidelines, ends up all the way across the field – Impressive, and you know a lot of that isn't just dead straight speed. You know a lot of that is you know aids a block and things like that. But still, the four five three definitely came away impressive, even when we had as many guys as we did blazing sub sub four four forties. And, and uh, clearly, this is a guy who's been in the weight room, twenty seven bench reps, and you know that doesn't really mean much in terms of being a receiver. It just means the dude's been working hard. And then you combine that with a thirty eight five vertical and a one hundred and twenty two inch broad jump. The guy's been working. Now he did not do any agility testing, which you know we'll see what happens. If which, and when. which was your overall question? Was the right. separation ability? Certainly, he's piqued my interest. I want to go look at him uh, more and see. You know, where do I see four, five, three? Now there are times where you see him do things where, like, he catches a ball and runs all the way across the field, and you're going, "Yeah, that's interesting." But there are also times where you're like, "Why is this guy having to work so hard?" to make these contested catches where he's not getting as much separation as maybe you'd like to see. Um, Hakeem, Hakeem Butler, you know, the, the guy had a great 
40 time that really surprised people. And it felt like as soon as his 40 was over, his story was like over because he didn't do a whole lot else. And then all these other things happened like with, with Metcalf and stuff. So you have this guy who is enormous and all there are people – again, there are people who will tell you and we're saying even as he ran that, why isn't he the first receiver in the class? And then all of a sudden DK Metcalf happened and suddenly nobody was talking about it anymore, which doesn't mean anything. It's just what sort of happened. He runs a, a 4 4 8 40, which at his size is very impressive. Uh very explosive. Another guy who didn't do agility testing, which is really the question with him. I, I think as much as you know, some people were worried maybe he's going to run a four six. I think the bigger question is is what you know? How does he separate? Because he is a, a big, big guy, six five, two twenty seven. That is a huge guy, long arms, huge hands. You know, on some level, it almost didn't matter if he ran slow just because he's so big and strong that he can sort of win vertically anyway. But this certainly is a bonus that you like to have. But that's sort of the question with him. And, you know, NFL Network, I, I, I wish you guys were better at this, but, like, the receiver drills are in, drive me insane. The angles on this, on, uh, on this, <laughs> why they don't just put names of both the quarterback and the receiver on the bottom line instead of showing up – with inane quarterback stats I don't care about, but the, you get these angle where you're behind the quarterback and with the receiver on the opposite side, so you get them both in the frame, and you can't see the number on the jersey or the name, so you don't know who they're throwing to. So there's a bunch of reps where you're like, who? I mean, nice grab, but I don't know who it is. So it's really hard to sort of watch these drills, and you're trying to get a sense for some of these guys and it, obviously the tape is more important, but just it's nice to have an apples-to-apples apples comparison where they're both on the same field running these routes. And unfortunately, you didn't really get a chance to see that. Um, and then the last but not least is is uh, Kelvin Harmon. You know, not a good day. I was surprised he d- he did as poorly as he did. He we, we, I mean, if if you had said Harmon would have given Harry's numbers, Harry would have given Harmon's numbers. That's kind of what we had figured. Right, 100%. Uh, he ran slow. I, you know, 4-6, I think he can conceivably fix that at Pro Day. What I can't really fix is the 32-5 vertical jump. That's tough. Now we're, his, talking, we're talking a ground receiver now. We're not talking a lot going on above the rim. His explosion, his broad jump was okay, 117 inches. His three cone is okay at 715. And his short shuttle isn't great at four three two. He's a big guy, so some of that weight adjusted will be okay. But it's just not where I was hoping it would be. Maybe he will go back to NC State and rally on some of these things. But at the very least, I'm concerned. It's not like a few receivers we saw today where I've just crossed them off and I'm done. But, you know, I was – a little, a little depressed with uh, Kelvin Harmon today because I really thought I really like his tape. I really like the kid. I thought he'd have a better day, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, we, we, it's it wasn't a question of whether or not he was you know a great athlete. Neither of us thought that was going to be the case. Um, but we thought maybe you know like you know with Harry four five three you know the you know the vertical you would have liked you know even if it was mid thirties you know thirty five thirty six you would have been comfortable with it. 
Um, he's going to have to go to, well, I'm going to say, Cleveland at 49 would be nice. He's going to need a quarterback that's going to be able to anticipate along with him where the open area is and a quarterback who wants, because with what he showed today and maybe the athleticism not being there, the window of opportunity is going to be small. So he's going to need a brilliant, intelligent, quick processing and hard-throwing quarterback. 49, Baker Mayfield, might not be a terrible thing. Uh, You always want to throw at New England for guys like this, and he would probably prosper there as well, but let's not go there. Um, Butler, yeah, it was interesting. Um, But the thing with Hakeem Butler and with what he showed with, you know, obviously be able to long speed is there is, I'm not sure you can press this guy. So he's going to create mismatches just by being on the field for whoever drafts him because, you know, it's not that he's just, you know, a, a big guy and... Hopefully the contested balls, and he does, guys, he does have, you know, issues with actually catching the ball. But, you know, even if you give him a five, six-yard cushion, he still might get by you, and there aren't too many six-foot-six cornerbacks in the league. Uh, so we've gone over the wide receiver position here from today. Um, obviously, you know, there's some we didn't get to. We were highlighting the positives here today. You know, some of the negatives, Riley Ridley, sorry. Uh, that may have been a one where Pete put the X through the line. Riley Ridley, tough Tough day for Riley Ridley. Well, I didn't really like Riley Ridley to begin with. So this I, just confirmed know, it. This, this was basically <laughs> this was the end of him. But like a guy like L.J. Humphrey, who had insane production at Texas, that's one where I'm going, nope, we can move yeah. on all uh, the way, all the way up. Yeah, and there, there's a couple other guys like Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State's another one where I can we're done here. You know, hey guys, this is through a Browns lens, so we can say you want to know what we're being picky. There's only good enough seven, eight, nine, ten wide receivers good enough for what is needed here as opposed to what's here already. Well, I mean, part of this is, look, you have to have certain physical traits to be successful. I'm not interested, like, look, let's put it this way. How many Jarvis Landry's do you want? I mean, at some point, I assume everybody's sitting there going, you know, as much as I like him, I'd really like to be able to get a guy who can, you this know. This isn't two completions equals a first down. Where we're just going to continue to get in the ball down the field like that. Every now and yeah. then, you guys, you want to be able to go 60 and go to the house. Well, you know, part of it, like, if you're sitting there drooling over DK Metcalf or whoever it is, you can't sit, also be there going, man, I'd love to get a nice bit of this guy who ran a 4-7 uh, and, and a 7-3 three, three cone, like, We've got that one covered. Uh, you know, that's that's why you're excited about these other guys. The thing is, there's just so many guys who did it and have the tape you want to see. And, and I think, you know, uh, Debo Samuel is certainly one of those guys. And, you know, to me, Stanley Morgan's in that crew. And Andy Isabella's in that group. And there's just a bunch of these receivers that there's more than enough where, you know, if you, you – you, cross off some of these guys like LJ Humphrey and, and you know, if ultimately we get there with Kevin Harmon, there are plenty of guys who, who will fill in the void. Yeah. You know, and, and we have some guys who didn't do anything like JJ Arcega Whiteside, you know, when he wasn't taking credit for uh, Miles Boykin's work, <laughs> he, he almost quietly had one of the best combines ever. <laughs> he didn't actually test yet. So there's those things, uh, but you know, the one guy uh, I'll give you a little sleeper uh, seems to be fully back from the broken leg is, is Cody Thompson from Toledo. Uh, agile, agile dude uh, out of Huron High School. You know, he had himself a nice day. He has production from previous years at Toledo. Uh, my guess on him is he's probably going to be overaged. But if you're talking 
late day three or even an undrafted free agent. Certainly he's got like you want to talk about that stereotypical Patriots guy. That's Cody Thompson. Oh, definitely interesting, guys. Um, obviously, we got over the wide receiver group, which was kind of like the highlighted mark here today. Um, iTunes rating reviews, guys. Please drop a five-star, drop a written. Appreciate it. Uh, oh, so much, guys. Always helps the show. Always helps uh, possible new listeners find us over here at Lockdown Brown. So take care of that for me now, guys. Now, Pete, we get to the tight end group. Um, now, obviously, this tight end group has been extremely, extremely hyped. Um, Fant. Just everything. Absolutely just phenomenal day. Um, our guy, TJ Hawkinson, the 40, if you take that out of there, everything else he did today was fantastic as well. But the group on a whole, uh, you know, I think maybe everybody was, you know, because so much of the combine gets based on the 40. And this is, you know, and, and I'm so with you on this. I mean, there should be there should be a way you should be able to watch the combine almost like the Red Zone channel on DirecTV. Where you can say, well, no, I want to see the verticals. I want to see the broads. So can that be on on a screen to the right or to the left somewhere? So some of that gets taken out of the focus. Um, so you know, the two Iowa guys, obviously, you know, I don't think anything's going to change. I still think they are number one and two in this group. Right. Um, well, let's start with T.J. Hawkinson. If he didn't run a four seven and he ran a four six nine, I think the complexion of his day changes. He's an elite. His athleticism is it qualifies as an elite tight end. Uh, yes. He did. It, it, I mean, look, he finished basically second in everything except the shuttle. Uh, he, he finally nipped Fant on that one. But you know, I don't. The four seven as a looking at it thing may be enough to get him out of the top ten, maybe. Uh, but I don't think he's going much further. And again, as much as I love T.J. Hawkinson, and I do. Um, it's not the end of the world if he goes in front of the Browns because, again, it's another position that pushes a guy down uh, a spot. And and if it basically every pick that's not one of those defensive linemen is a good outcome or even those offensive tackles. No Fant, and I ran into this today a little bit. Again, this was Fant's thing. Fant, Fant was always going to be an athletic stud. Production. He's is, good. Eric Ebron. Yes, very good, not elite. Hawkinson's got elite production. Fant, very good production. For whatever reason, Iowa didn't would use him a pretty good amount of time, but missed time. And and Fant had an injury situation. That's part of it. Athletically, this you know this was the deal. Fant was basically amazing across the board. Uh, the guy he's actually quite a bit like is Mike Jacecki from last year. Uh, and obviously I loved him, but, but no fan's not going to last of the second round. It's just a question of who's going to take him. And and it may be an interesting, you know, situation where it's a surprise team. Uh, but, you know, whether you want to look at him as a, as a yoked up receiver or whatever, he's, he's got a ton of ability. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, I, I don't think it's ever happened where you've had two tight ends from the same school go in the first round. I'm pretty sure that's, that would be a first, uh, but those guys carried the day, uh, and and it's and what helped them carry the day is a bunch of the other big name tight ends sucked, and it's a bunch of actually mid to uh, mid to small school guys who sort of filled in the vacuum. So there are some elements of the tight end class that actually basically fell apart today, and others that are basically going to fill fill that hole. And and some of these aren't new to people covering this had a good sense of it, but. For the average fan who's not watching a ton of it, particularly Mountain West football, 
these may, names may be new, uh, and there's still going to be a very good set of tight ends. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Sternberger, these other guys, um, I think they all, you know, kind of kept themselves in line. We'll go with maybe the one Deb or down, Debbie Downer here. A little bit undersized, and I liked his game. I liked what he'd done. But, uh, and Pete, we have talked about this a lot with these Georgia guys. And, oh, well, you know, nobody really got enough opportunity to get a big enough piece of the pie. But maybe there was a reason for that, and maybe we got that answer today with, uh, I'm not going to call him Nuada anymore. I'm going to call him Noada anymore. Uh, you you can't be a little bit of an undersized tight end and, and be running a 4-9, man. Just it, it just cannot happen. Especially against the quarterback class that smoked him. I mean, you know, every quarterback except He lost to kickers and punters, Pete. Yeah. Well, the Utah punter. The Utah punter's knocking on some doors. Uh, he, uh, he ran a 4-6-5. But, yes, um, this was certainly not the day to run a 4-9. This is not the group to run a 4-9. And, look, I, you know, you tend to find out why these guys aren't, you know, studs at their respective schools. And, you know, I think, you know, we found out we got to look behind the curtain at what Georgia re- really thought of their players. Certain of them tested well, but for the most part, Georgia as a whole – not a good day, or Nick not a good Ch- week thus far. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle walked out the door, and you know maybe now we realize why it wasn't the year. It was you know, should you know they, everybody thought maybe it was going to be a Georgia. Maybe, and I'm maybe. and I'm I'm I, I'm not. I think Jay Sternberger had a pretty mediocre day. I thought he'd be better than he was. Uh, you know, the the guys who were were great uh, were like Cahill Warren from San Diego State. He had a yep. fantastic day. Oliver. Josh Oliver from San Jose State, uh, you know those those type of guys. The other guy who was a disaster, and and it's amazing that nobody seemed to see this coming, because it happened as soon as he measured in, and that's Irv Smith. Irv Smith is. It's not like he had a bad day athletically because he didn't. He's actually fine. He it's looked the good in the gauntlet, that, but he's not a tight end. But he's six two, two hundred forty two pounds. Like you, I'm sorry that that. You do not want to try to put that in line. It's just very hard. Like I'm just looking at this draft class, you put a guy like Montez Sweat over him with those big long arms, and he's just basically going to be able to control him immediately. Uh, that's a problem. Like a guy like Irv Smith has to be an H back, and there's no shame in that. But if you're not sort of an elite pass catcher, that makes it more difficult. And his production doesn't show that. Like that was the big thing with Irv Smith is. For, for some reason, maybe I'm nuts. I remember people listing him as high as like 265, 270 at one point. And, and Alabama about, would never fudge the numbers, Pete. <laughs> Come on, not the good people down in Tuscaloosa. And I and I don't doubt that he's a pretty good blocker in space, but you know, to, to warrant going that high, you got to be able to put your hand in the dirt next to an offensive tackle and fire off the ball and get get into somebody. It can't just be H back type stuff. So or Orson you know, Charles. Right, that, and that's that's exactly what he's like. He didn't have a bad day athletically. He was fine. It's just when you're that short, you're immediately at a disadvantage. Yeah, and that that's where Nawada's day went to hell because he's a little bit undersized himself, and it's fine. Okay, well, if you're a little bit undersized, you better be athletic as hell, like we're talking about with Andy Isabella, but, but he wasn't. So that's where you run into some serious issues with these guys. And, you know, I would say as much, you know, 
pomp and circumstance as this tight end class came into today with, I would have to say that if it was like, you know, the old caricature where the guy, you know, shows up at the door and he's got 50 balloons and, you know, all of a sudden 45 of them pop and you're just kind of sitting there with a bunch of dead balloons and like one or two, I love you. It seemed like the, the tight end class took a little bit of a hit today. In certain respects, yeah. But like, Again, certain guys stepped up in a big way. Yep. Foster Moreau had a fantastic day. Like this, oh, game, Washington kid, uh, sample out yeah, of Washington sample. too. Both of those guys, and we noted this when we did the tight end preview. I, I thought both these guys sort of popped at the Senior Bowl, and you're and you're left wondering why didn't these guys get the ball more at their respective schools? Foster Moreau, four six six speed at two six four two fifty three. He's got. Seven one six three cone, which is better than a lot of the receivers we were talking about. Four one four one one shuttle, like his vert, his broad jump, all these things. And you're sitting there going, "Why isn't this guy getting the ball?" So him and Drew Sample, who had a you know similar day and type those type of things. No, you're not going to likely take those guys on day two. But let's say the Browns don't take Hawkinson in round one, as they're not likely to do, and they don't take a tight end. In, uh, day two and but you do have a guy like freddie kitchens who does have his background as a tight end coach and he's sitting there on day three and he has a bunch of fifth round picks sitting there maybe he sees a guy like foster moreau or drew sample and he's sitting there going look man i you know i love what these guys could do athletically you know we we had him in we love what the you know we love who they are and all that stuff you know i feel like we i can get more out of these guys than they've given you know Certainly, part of this is because they can block. That's where it starts. But you have a guy who's your head coach who has that background in tight ends. I would not be surprised in the least if they end up taking one of these type type of guys on day three. There were a bunch of them, and obviously, you know, he may be partial to the SEC simply because he knows that area. But they they are big school guys who played at, in big school games that could come in and provide some nice value on day three despite the reduction and they don't need to be you know hall of fame caliber tight end prospects they just need to be guys who can come in and, and give you a little something and those guys at least right now appear to be in that realm yeah uh, sample would be an interesting name just because look i mean the receiving aspect of the cleveland browns tight end position uh i think that's covered um so you know whenever and it'll be a tough day for both pete and i they move on from the playmaker Darren Fells. You're going to need somebody else that you can trust to be your main blocking tight end. Uh, obviously, John Dorsey told you guys a couple days ago that he's not all the way there yet with David Njoku. And I'll be honest, I'm okay with it. I'd rather David Njoku worry more about being a phenomenal receiver, a la the Antonio Gates route, where, uh, look, I'll do enough that you don't yell at me, and I'll do my blocking part. But if you really need that, well, then get somebody in here, you know, who should be wearing a 70s jersey but wears an 80s jersey to do that. Maybe a guy like Drew Sample will come in there. And, uh, and speaking of that, you, you've got uh, Matt Waldman favorite, Trevon Wesco, who, who when he was testing and stuff, I don't know why it popped in my head. He, he made me think he's a guy who would, like, jump in, like, a pickup game of football, no pads, and just go at it. Um but he, you know, he had a solid day, and he's super strong and, and a blocking type. And the one guy I would mention, uh, because he is a guy who's got a, who's had a nice career to this point. Uh, C.J. Conrad from Kentucky got yep. flagged by the medical for a heart issue, so they basically said, they, you know, and and they're going to be 
there you know the combine is always good play safe safer than so, safer than anything because they want to avoid having a real issue as they should be uh but they, they flagged a heart issue with him didn't let him test he's gone home to get a second opinion he's hoping to uh participate in kentucky's pro day but he is a talented tight end who unfortunately wasn't able to do anything. Hopefully everything, first and foremost, is good that he doesn't yep. need to, you know, we don't have a Maurice Hurst situation or, or worse where a guy literally has to retire because of a, an issue that they didn't know about until they got to the combine, which is, again, its own issue. Uh, but, you know, all the best to him. So I'm hoping, you know, we, we can see him and get him out there because he is, he is a nice part of, what you know, this tight end class. Well, I mean, Kentucky did a, a lot. For a team that did not have a quarterback. Uh, guys, we've done the wide receivers. We've done the tight ends. We'll get to the quarterbacks here. Um, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Twitter, the Lockdown NFL Net is, uh, Network is on both social media accounts. Um, everything from you know my show, team-specific shows, fantasy shows, draft shows, uh, the hub show, Lockdown NFL, Net, uh, Lockdown NFL. Uh, everything from all our shows, from all of us, you know, on Twitter, on Instagram, is funneled through those accounts. So whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, locked on NFL Net, guys, make sure you're following over on both of those accounts. Thank you very much. Now, people, get to the interesting part, and my God, and, and I missed this one. Um, screaming A. Smith. Guess what? Dwayne Haskins. He's not a runner. And it's fine. And I'll be honest, Dwayne Haskins, I give you credit for running it. Everybody who's worth a grain of salt here knows he can't run. Um, you know, Trace McSorley, nice and interesting. We're not going to spend much time on quarterback 40s here, guys. But Trace McSorley, maybe there's something down the line. And I hope he does work out at defensive back. Why not? Do it. I mean, what do you want to go? Do you, Would you rather go play an NFL season? Or would you rather wait around for the AAF? Would you rather wait around for the XFL? Take an opportunity to run with it, man. Um, but then we got to the throwing, and you know, Dwayne Haskins. It's simple, it's easy. But Pete, and also, I, I, I like Tyree Jackson. I really do like Tyree Jackson more and more. I see of this guy and everything he does. I think for a guy and everything, everybody talked about. You know, he was a little behind the eight ball in the you know as far as a quarterback as to both some of these guys who've been groomed for it. You know, since they were 14, 15 years old. I think he's closing the gap. Um, he's always going to have that wild, nuclear arm. But I think he's starting to close the gap more and more. In, I don't know. I just like the kid. Well, the first thing I, I want to mention with Tyree Jackson is, is it, it doesn't mean anything, but I like the fact that the dude looked like he was having a blast the entire way. Like, even, you know, he's missed a throw. This is the way a guy from Buffalo should look at the combine, though. But it just looked like... Everything he was doing, he just loved it, which I think is good. I don't know if teams care about that, but I like it. Nah, there's still people that's going to rub the right way. Because you want to know what? He's going to be the guy when you say, look, we got to be here at 7 a.m. tomorrow. He's going to be there at 6.45. Right. So, look. All right. Tyree Jackson in Jacksonville. All right. I just, all right, I just confirmed it. Well, <laughs> first, you know, Josh Allen was hyped the entire way. And I look, I, I I fully have said all along Tyree Jackson has more mechanical things to work out. But I don't understand how Josh Allen with all of his flaws ultimately ends up in the top ten and it was and no less doubt statistics all and less along. and less production. And Tyree Jackson, who is a has performed better, one more, uh 
is is sort of being you know an also ran type. Yep. Regarded. Now, personally, I still think Buffalo, Buff, uh, the uh, Buffalo Bills should draft Tyree Jackson and add him to what they already have because he's you know a natural extension, uh, and and they couldn't put two guys better together. Now, I'm gonna give Joe Goodberry credit because he mentioned this. The top comparable for defensive end at Tyree Jackson, Deion Jordan. That's how freaky this guy is. Uh, and wow. and I, I have no doubt that at some point people are going to mention why isn't this guy a receiver and all these things. Why isn't he? No, tight end, it's coming. You know what it is. Well, and, and look, if, if, if for whatever reason it doesn't work at his quarterback, you know, look at these athletic traits. Like, you know, he could go Terrell Pryor and see if that works. But for now – Look, if you take this guy and basically sit him for a couple years and you can get those if you if you believe you can get his arm mechanics fixed where it's a consistent motion every time, he can do things that are genuinely amazing. And the one thing I never understood is why people question his speed because if you actually watch the tape of him at Buffalo, he runs like Terrell Pryor, Terrell Pryor obviously faster. But they both have that glide where it looks so easy, and guys are just sort of flying past. And within no, but I mean, they get to the line of scrimmage on third and eight, and they take three strides, and you know what? I got the first down. Right, and then occasionally, you know, also similar to Terrell Pryor, I suppose. You you see these guys on cork it, and the ball just explodes out of their hand, and you see some impressive, uh, impressive stuff with that. Um, You know, the height is unusual. It's it's not an easy thing to get past, but. Again, if somebody's willing to spend the time with him, take a couple years, again, I think Buffalo is perfect for this. Uh, you know, you may end up with a really nice quarterback. Is he going to be a Hall of Famer? You know, I doubt it, but you can get him to be a solid, productive quarterback who has these elements of being a thrower and being a runner and just being a playmaker type. And that's worth a pick and how where is he ultimately going to go i don't know but i do think today helped him quite a bit uh i it wouldn't surprise me at all if some, somebody suddenly takes him on day two now as opposed to day three uh well, if you but, tell me i'm going to take daniel jones from duke or i'm going to take this kid who hasn't had you know the the comfort and the you know the cut cliff and everything else in his corner give me the kid because he looks like you want to know what you're going to have to throw him the freak out of the building I'd rather that kid than some of these third, fourth, and fifth-ranked quarterbacks that they have now. Give me the guy who needs the extra help and is willing to take it as opposed to the, some of these guys that are trying to sell us off as finished products. Right, and and I and I think when you watch the drills... And, Thank and, you, Baker Mayfield, again. Right, <laughs> and, and you watch some of these drills, and, and you know, it's whatever. It's, it's because, you know, you come out of these and... Guys get proclaimed winners and losers, and I don't understand what they're looking at. Like, if you thought Drew Locke was better than Haskins today throwing the ball, I don't know what to tell you. Preconceived, and I'm going to stick to my guns. There is some of that. And the best, though, is the the Jay Cutler. And they keep going with the Jay Cutler. Like, well, is that good or bad? I'm not sure which way you guys are going with this. And the other part was, like, with Haskins, it just seemed like it was so baked in when you've got – you know, a guy criticizing, you know, what his body language or what his perceived effort on running the 40. Like, I could not care less about what Haskins does in the 40. Chad if, Forbes, go bite it. You suck. But it's just... It it's just, a 40. He's never going to run it again in his life. It just... Well, even, the funny thing is, even when Tyree Jackson finished his second one, he actually said, so you could hear it, I'm not going to be running those for a long time. Like, it's whatever. 
But it just that tweet just reeked of Nolan Iraqi to me. Like it just it was like it was a half step away from the fake smile. But I thought Haskins was great. I thought this was a great form for him. He doesn't have to move around too much, which I think he's got some issues with. You move him off his spot, he's got some questions. But he's a little, in a sit- he's a little clumsy. Yes. I mean, his feet, I mean, like, you can definitely, it, w- it won't surprise me if he gets a start and it's too early, where, you know, in his back pedal, you know, the feet get tangled and he ends up going down. You know, I mean, jump rope, do what you got to do, work it. I mean, he's never going to be quick. Get your feet work a little better. Um, you know, Kyler Murray is what he is, and if that's what you want, that's what you want, but he's... If I have to take one and I'm taking him early, and this is the guy that I have to ride or die with as a GM, I'm taking Dwayne Haskins. Which was the other thing I noted about the coverage today was both Rich Eisen and Peter Schrager in particular were really pushing that this Kyler Murray thing is a done deal. And this is what aggravated that. Just before before you go, what aggravated me is the the time that was spent on a guy who did. Jack today. That wasn't right to everybody else who was doing their workouts today. There's just but, a place for Kyler Murray, and trust me, all the eyes will be on the Oklahoma Pro Day. We know that. And, and maybe some of this is because of last year and, and how everybody was pumping Josh Allen and Sam Darnold the whole way and then ended up being Baker Mayfield. But it really felt like NFL Network was really pushing this Kyler Murray thing and not because they believe – maybe it's going to happen, but it felt more along the lines of, look – this is a way better story. This will drive way more traffic and clicks and viewers and all that. If we're talking about Kyler Murray and then the fallout from where does Josh Rosen goes as opposed to Arizona hands on the card takes Quinn Williams or Arizona hands on the card and takes Nick Bosa, whichever one of those you think, and you're sitting there going, well, that was a lot of nothing. This feels like an effort to sort of drive interest, drive viewers – and it just felt very contrived to me. I, I don't know how you can say, at, you know, March 2nd, when they haven't visited anyone, you know, they, they've had their meetings yep. at the Combine and stuff, but they haven't had their private visits. They haven't even had pro days. We haven't, saying, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're anointing Kyler Murray off of one season. I mean, is NFL Network trying to tell MLB Network, ha I mean, trying to give them the scroogey. It was so weird. Well, the other part of this is, let's say Arizona loves Kyler Murray, and they might. Same agent as the head coach. Who knows? I mean, you can connect the dots. Obviously, you can. But I can't imagine there are, you know, 32 teams that look at Kyler Murray and go, that's my guy. There, You know, there has to be at least one or two or 10 or 20 that are sitting there going, we, we think Kyler Murray's great, but we like Haskins better. Or, God forbid, you know, you, you, those reports where, you know, teams have – Drew Locke or the kid from Duke is the number one quarterback, but it God just help them. Well, yes, but that's you know that that becomes a punt, and you're going to be in the draft next year, which is fine. But it just feels way too uh, sure of themselves, and it's one of those things where if it's wrong, it's never going to come back on them. So it's all benefit to them to push this, push this, push this, push this, even if it doesn't happen. Yeah, it was just it was poorly done. I, I just it's just aggravated living daylights out of me. And guys, uh, this is about as much time we're gonna spend on the quarterback position because we don't have to. Thank God for six six saved us. Um, Pete, tomorrow's your day, dude. Um, and now let's see. 
And we'll continue with this. And guys, uh, the Ed Oliver dream, just as much as, you know, whatever, you know, it, probably dead and gone. But now, let's see. He's 287, Pete. Okay. So he's not too small. 32 bench reps. Okay. That narrative squashed. What's he got to do tomorrow? Um, it, does he have to, like, physically take a bag and rip it into shreds? Because um, tomorrow he's going to go out and blow everybody away athletically. So, well, here's the thing: is is now we went from he's too small to is he Aaron Aaron Donald? And you know, when we get through this, he may be. Uh, you know, whether you believe in the the talent, which is those tape. who liked him, kind of said, well, if you well, you know, and, and look, as much as everybody wants to say, well, you know, Kyler Murray's too small, but Russell Wilson, and then well, you know, Ed Oliver, this, that, and the other thing. Oh wait, but Aaron Donald, even if he's seventy five percent of Aaron Donald. That's right. certainly that's, that's worthy exa- of a top-ten player. That's exactly it. He doesn't have to be Aaron Donald to be more than worth that pick. But from a production standpoint, he's got elite production. If he tests like Aaron Donald, he's going to be an elite athlete. Uh, at that point, it just becomes what do you take from his tape where he largely played nose tackle at Houston. I can tell you what Baker Mayfield's probably going to – if I ask him what he's going to think because – I watched his first game ever, and he's chasing Baker Mayfield all over the field. I can tell you what I, I can guess what Lamar Jackson thinks of him. Where he's absolutely annihilating him uh, when they played Louisville. So he's going to run. Where, he might run in the four sixes tomorrow. Well, which is which is what Aaron Donald was at. Yep. That's that's where this goes. Is all of a sudden he goes from too small to Aaron Donald, and what's that worth? I, I think the bigger question is is you know if he does all these things, and we assume he's going to be in the top ten. Who's the team that's really going to actually pull the trigger? And that's going to be where it, where it becomes fun and interesting. But it, the other part of this is, you know, maybe the Browns discuss trading up. How far? What's really the price? Because I don't think it's going to cost as much as it did last year to move up. But that still may be prohibitive. But even if we get past Aaron Donald, we're talking about good Josh Allen, who is as big as Nick Bosa, which is insane. And by the way, we have to talk about that more. Uh, when we get there on testing stuff, because if he tests like an elite dude and he's the same size as as, jo- as uh, Nick Bosa, well, he's actually Nick Bo- he's actually an inch taller, but hey, but but what is then the argument to take Bosa before him? And and you know, uh, other than Jeremiah- the fact that his dad was a pro and his brother went top ten, right? And Daniel Jeremiah still saying he you know he's his number one player, and that's fine. I'm not disputing that, but I'm talking again about. If, if this happens, like, what's the case? And, you know, you've got guys like Cleveland Farrell who, you know, is almost not talked about. It's sort of like, well, he's going to be a top 10 pick, move on. Montez Sweat, uh, you know, we're going to find out tomorrow how to pronounce it. Polite from Florida. Sweat, all these guys, there are so many guys, and they all Brian came Burns. in. Brian Burns. And they all came in at the size, you know, they were supposed to, and they've all crushed the bench press and all this stuff. Christian Wilkins was crushing the bench press. All the Clemson guys crushed the bench press. Uh, Even the guy who juiced. (laughs) He better. He should have crushed it. Dexter Lawrence came in, you know, did 36 bench reps, but he also weighs 340. So what's he going to end up being like? There's There's a guy that just said, screw it. I am the big dude in the middle. Move me. But, like, you know, you have Kalen Saunders coming, who's 320. Uh, and, and, and you know, obviously people think he's really Agile low as on his feet. Yep. Uh, you know, O'Shane Zimenez. Like, there's just so many guys. And then we get to the linebackers, I, you know, and, and suddenly, you know, 
Devin White is presumed to be the favorite, but Devin Bush is now the same size as him in terms of weight. And he put up a great number on the bench, which, you know, is it's a threshold thing. I don't even remember what the threshold is, but rest assured, Devin Bush. I think cleared. one did 21, the other one did Yeah, 22. Devin Bush did 21. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like there are just so many dudes that that could fit the Browns, whether it's 17 or 49, are those obvious positions of need where we can easily plug them in. Charles Amenu, who what's he going to look like? There's it, it like that's is why I'm looking forward to it. Don't get me wrong, today was fun, uh, but just and, and this is largely because of what what's in this class and what the Browns need and everything. You know, this is very easy to watch these guys test tomorrow. And you know, so far validating, you know, that they are a great class. Now we get to see them move around and stuff. And if, if they're still great, then it just becomes an embarrassment of riches. And that's part of maybe what you know this group wants is I mean you do not want to you know the tight end class today it was supposed to be really really exciting it was to some extent but it wasn't uh, for this for this D line group in the interior the exterior go out and blow it out tomorrow uh, you know that's what everybody's expecting that's what we all want to see uh, guys Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone go ahead check it out obviously you know you're gonna get a bunch of content here as we get through the combine here. Uh, and you know, uh, with free agency trade uh, trade uh, window opening, you know, uh, by, by uh, early uh, late next week, uh, Ben your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, guys. Make sure you always uh, follow me over there. We keep it a follow back account. Me personally at Jeff LJ uh, un- uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Send a follow over there. Like I always, iTunes rating reviews. Uh, DDD your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.